to the Service Sharp, a podcast all about ServiceNow. This podcast is not sponsored or endorsed by ServiceNow in any way, and the opinions expressed are our own. I am Randy Hawes, one of your hosts, along with Jason Gibson. Brent Peters and Justin Klaus will also frequently join in. After a short message from our sponsor, we will dive right in. Welcome to another episode of Service Sharp. This is Randy Hawes, and we're picking up where we left off on Q&A. We're going to uh, start with uh, Jason's question and then get into a discussion about the platform itself, kind of some of our experiences with it, what we like, what we love, uh, how the support kind of uh, compares to other vendors and the things that we've done. And uh, we had a lot of fun recording this. We hope you have a lot of fun listening to it. If you have any questions, if you want to be a part of the show, if you just want to interact with us, uh, get in contact with us. Our information will be in the show notes, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on. Without further ado, let's uh, kick things off with Jason and part two of Q&A. So um, I guess um, it comes down to me. I've got. A, I've actually had a couple of questions. Um, one is actually kind of interesting, and I wish the answer was yes. But I don't. I, I, I don't think that that is the case. But um, they keep coming to me and asking me if they can take and move everything they have from on share from SharePoint onto ServiceNow and just eliminate SharePoint. So. SharePoint does a lot of things well, not a lot of things. SharePoint does some well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think you can completely eliminate the SharePoint. It has some value in other ways. Um, so what do you guys think? Well, I mean, technically you could, but I don't, don't know that – you know, as you said, you can build almost anything, but, uh, you know, I don't know that the cost benefit is there yet. Um, I would not be surprised if ServiceNow does not have people looking at that. You know, I mean, I know that oh, yeah. one of their active pushes right now is for HR, and then um, they've added contract management as a native feature. They've added project management as a native feature, um, you know, um, purchasing and things like that. So, you know, eventually they'll be looking at ERP and other systems of record. Um, right. You know, being able to be a full, full system where you don't need to have integrations with other systems because you just run the now platform. Right. Right. Okay. So I guess then the answer is yes. I mean, technically if you want to spend the time to build it, you can, but usually not at this, that it's not really, um, practically no for everything. Yeah. I think practically no, but technically yes. Technically. Yeah. yeah you could do it, but they, they kind of do two different. I mean, they're, they function. Um, how do I want to put this? They, they're kind of two different things. I mean, you use SharePoint for one thing, and use this for other, you can make them both do the same thing, but I think you'd be better off trying to integrate some of the features together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to more value to, for your time. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting because I remember um, a long time ago, we used to sit around, Brent actually, Brent, Randy, uh, to sit with Andrew and, and, and Brad and, <laughs> and, and all these different developers that come from different areas. Like Andrew was, was .NET and Brad was, was also .NET and SharePoint. And, and, and so we would sit around and you got Jen who was with the SharePoint site as well at the time. Uh, we would 
talk about the new project coming up and 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 talk about make a decision on which platform we're going to put it in. Are we going to build a .NET app? Are we going to build it strictly custom? Are we going to build it custom and service now? Are we going to try and make it a an, a requested item and service now? What? How, where are we going to put this? And I got to tell you, a good large percent of the time, we were looking at server now just because the dev time to a lot of those things was significantly less. <laughs> and just FYI, everything that was done in SharePoint at that point uh, is now back into service now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, nice to know. Yes. Now, it, so I, it just was easier to build the forms and stuff that they wanted in the ServiceNow platform than trying to do it in um, in the SharePoint and yeah and all. So that's why in that case it moved back. But uh, why rebuild SharePoint into ServiceNow if you have both? Might as well use them. There's no reason yeah. both ways. I think it also depends on. I mean, what are you using your SharePoint for? Because if you're using SharePoint for automation and and for workflows, then yeah, move that into ServiceNow probably. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you're using it yeah. as just a repository for static information, um, then leave it in SharePoint. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So I'm going to be odd, and I'm going to be um, I'm going to two out here, um, and. This one's an easy one, but we they talk about it a lot and they, they, they ask this question a lot. But they want to know what kind of database service now is. And I don't think they're just asking the database. I think they're asking for what kind of skeleton it has. What is it? What is it? And I mean, if you look at the database, it's basically a MySQL database. It's, um, I got what they actually call it it's off the top of my head, but it's basically a MySQL database. Uh, a version of MySQL. Um, but I think what people are asking is from that up, what is what does it look like? What's the structure of it? Uh, what do you guys think about that question? Do you guys get it a lot? I don't. No, I don't get okay. that one. I get more uh, questions about, you know, the tables that are within the database and how are they related, that kind of stuff. And should I extend them or should they not be extended? And why are they extended? And stuff like that. So, sure. um, I mean, a lot of people just uh, – in, in the company that I, I – I've been working for just assume it's SQL and it's like, no, it's not. It's my SQL, but it pretty much acts like SQL. Um, yeah. So it's a relational database. Yeah. It's relational yeah, exactly. and it is a very well put together relational database. Mm -hmm. um, it is. But out of the box, there's so many tables. Oh my God. Would, yeah. If you enable configuration management, that adds another what two to 300. No, it seems like it. Uh, but it does have a lot of tables for that, too. It does. And, and everything you turn on, there's a series of tables, right? Yes. But knowing, uh, knowing what table does what or is related to what is really a lot of times a difference between can you make that report or that process work or, or not. Right. It also right. determines where you start that report. If uh -huh. you want to see... Um, like a, a catalog task and then you want to see all the related stuff up the chain, you would start down below and work your way up where if you start at the top, you can't always 
do a report in ServiceNow with their report engine to see all the people below. So you kind of have to think about that table and how the relationships are before you even start doing the reporting. Yeah, there's a learning curve behind all of that. There really is. And and people are constantly wanting me to build a report for them. And, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of teaching them to fish. Don't give them, you know, don't go, you know, give them a fish, teach them to fish. So I typically walk through it over and over and over. Um, and a lot of times they finally get it. Not the majority of the time. Uh, the hard part, I think, is when they're trying to report data off multiple tables. And yes. that becomes, wow, that becomes tricky. Okay. Um, I have a question for you about yes. the tables and all. Do you have a hard time with your customers explaining how the task table has all <laughs> the tickets and then... You want to yeah. get an incident table to get a little bit more info and so on. Does it confuse them that, okay, wait, it's not a task that I'm looking for. It's an incident, not a change or, I mean, all that, not task. It, it does. It really messes with their heads, I think, I swear. But, um, you know, I try and... <laughs> I, I try and tell people, you know, if you're trying to report on just incidents, go to incident table. If you're trying to report on, you know, the change table, go to a change, go to change table. But if you're trying to report on, you know, um, a, a greater tasks, right, you need to go to the task table. And they're like, but what's in the task table? Well, everything. You know, incidents are in there, changes in their tasks are in there, incident tasks are in there. Um, you name it, it's in there, but they just don't really understand that very well. No. Um, so, but I don't know if I've ever successfully explained that where they do understand it. I've had more success by telling them, okay, look at it as a relationship. Uh, the task table is the parent. The parent knows where every ticket and all that kind of stuff is. So then you have your children tables like incident change, pro, uh, all that. So if incident wants to know what's going on with this change, it has to go to the parent and find out what's going on with the related change. It's just, I kind of do it as a, a relationship kind of family thing because people usually understand that a little bit more. Yeah, it makes so, sense. I don't know. Uh, it's always <laughs> kind of hard. Well, it's also hard to explain that kind of stuff to people that just use the tool and don't even understand how tables work. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just put it into a form. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I get, I, I'm often faced with um, people asking things like, well, I only want this subset of people to be able to see these see tasks, right? Can't you just do an ACL on, on that? You know, and it's like, can they, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I could throw an ACL out there. Of course, I can't tell you what's going to happen exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to give me some time to figure out how many other ACLs there are, you know. And so I find I find that trying to explain people ACLs is more difficult. I, well, trying to explain ACLs to other admins and developers that have even been in the tool for a while is kind of hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, ACLs can get confusing. I think that our question and our discussion has kind of hit on the paradox that is ServiceNow, though, because it is simple 
It's well put together and it's very powerful, but it's not like any other platform that you own. Right. And most, you can't just pay the licensing fee and then throw it into a group that doesn't have any training, doesn't have any understanding of ITIL, ITSM, um, doesn't have any understanding or, or uh, training with the service now. And you can't have, I mean, you can't get the value out of it if you're, if you're not dedicating resources to it. It is because it's so powerful. It's also very, very complex, very easy to make a mess of and um, give yourself years worth of headache trying to sort that some of that stuff back out. Where were you seven years ago when they just threw me into it? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, wait a second. (laughs) But the, the reality is, the 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 understanding that you need to learn it right so when we first started we didn't know it but we had to go out there and learn well and really dive in and use the resources training listen they they what did they send us i mean almost immediately we went to that i went to admin training through service now I've been to uh, from the ad to the developer training to the security operations training to the ITM implementation training, you know, uh, vulnerability response training. You know, it takes that kind of exposure to the platform. And I know they sell it as no code, low code. I get it. But low code, no code doesn't mean you don't need to know about it. It doesn't mean there's not a lot to learn. Low-code, no-code means that you're just going to use it out of the box and add a few workflows. If you need to do a little bit more, you're going to have to get your hands dirty and do some some scripting or something else in there. And yeah. ServiceNow training is great, but then there's also you got to go out and do some training on your own and right. be, be dedicated to try to learn other things too. But they have really good documentation on the, on the developer site. They have a lot of new training out there. That's on the, on the dev site. It's pretty good. You know, being proactive. Oh yeah. Community. Great. Great. This has to be one of the best communities I've ever went and worked with because everybody's willing to work with them with each other and help share code. And Hey, you know, I ran into this issue. Oh, here's how to fix it. And that kind of thing. Yeah, I know when I was first uh, brought into owning ServiceNow in the in the group that we all met in, um, you know, the community, um, you know, uh, just embraced me as far as when I went to ask questions and things like that. And uh, yeah. nobody treated me, you know, like I was a complete idiot, even though I was. <laughs> yeah, well, we all have to start somewhere. And, and I will tell you that the, the, the kindness and the... The, the generosity of the community is what really makes service now um, exceptional. There's no doubt in my mind that if they hadn't fostered that kind of uh, collaborative spirit between developers and they, that, that community, I don't, I don't think it would have grown like it has. True. Oh, they got I some agree. pretty good salespeople. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <that's, laughs> they did have to break it those people. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, the, it, overall, I think that you just have to be able to um, go out there to make the effort to learn. Uh, you're not going to have just everybody in it 
changing things around. This is not going to happen. But um, you definitely, that's something you have to do is decide that you're going to make an effort into it to really get out of it. But, you know, I was referring to the company. The company needs to plan to invest in the team that's going to run ServiceNow um, inside the team. It's great to bring in implementers. And obviously I work for, I mean, my company does that. So I want to, to use our services as much as possible, but you do need people on the inside that that can do day-to-day work as well. Right. It's nice to be able to go in and help people and do develop things for them and hand it over. But it's that handover is always nice to have someone on the other end go, okay, that's how that works. I can support that for my company. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And I've had, I've had both. I've had, I've had sometimes where there's been nobody to hand things off to that is really capable of doing it going forward. And I've had other organizations that really have found their, that have, that there has been somebody that was inexperienced when we started that by the time um, we get going, they dove in with both feet. They really start to become, to have a passion for it that then become uh, great people to continue that, you know, forward progress in the organization. So, but I think that's important too, right? You've got to have champions. Yes. And being passionate about it is always a good thing. But even if you're not passionate about ServiceNow, once you start using it and how easy and everything it is, you're going to start loving it and you're going to be more into it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I've, I've had, like Jason was saying, I've had people where I've taught them and they've caught on and they've loved it and they go on to and leave me and go to other companies and start doing it there and everything. And then I have people that, you know, think they know it all and try to do everything and not even listen and screw everything up. So there's, <laughs> there's always that stuff, but yeah. um, you just I got a question going. Yep. I got a question for you guys. All right. So I've had better experience with people who don't know a lot about coding and about development that I've, taught to do it in service now versus the hardcore developers i've i've had success both ways there's i've had more success not using the hardcore developers that jump in and want to they want to change everything about well, it like the, it something doesn't tab right and they want to completely rebuild system to where it tabs right or you know I, I, I've had the instance where, uh, yeah, somebody didn't know anything. They worked out great because they came in with an open mind. I've also had where they were a hardcore developer, but as long as they keep their mind open and go, okay, so that's how this tool works, and it's just going to go that way, they'll do fine. But a lot of developers are like, this is how I develop, and this is how I code, and this is how I'm going to do it. <laughs> Well, and it doesn't work as ServiceNow because ServiceNow has their own their own glide record and their own system of how to do things. And so, because of that, you don't like how many how many times when I very first started, Brent, did you yell at me for doing a Git element? I don't think because I, I broke everything. You, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were trying to do you know Dom 
dom manipulation. Dom manipulation. And they don't yeah. like that. And that's no, what no. Justin addressed that last week. He had he when he started out, he was all I mean, he's all about JavaScript and all HTML and all this. But when he started out with ServiceNow, he kept finding that you you can't do that with ServiceNow. You gotta use their there's a reason they have their glide records. That's why they have their own uh ling- internal language that kind of mixes in with that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, well, and they have a unique way of doing quite a few things. It's well, like yeah. passing things out to a scripting clue in order to call an external web service, right? Yeah. You know, so there's there's those kind of things that, you know, that are intricacies that you just learn the longer you've been developing in the platform. Yep. Well, I think that, I mean, there's just two different ways. So like traditional developers, when they come into it, they're used to, you know, the way that programming languages work, and I've been on both sides of it now, is that, um, you know, you dump out a box of Legos on the floor and the code has given you these bricks, right? Or the or the language has given you these bricks, and then you build whatever house you want. Um, ServiceNow says they're kind of like an HOA, you know. Um, sure, you want to you want to put a roof on that? Well, it has to be this tile, or it has to be this tile, or it has to be this tile. And uh, you just tell me what size roof you want, and I'll put it on for you. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. In, in some cases, you can go around that and put your own roof on there, hmm. but that's not guaranteed that it'll work in the next upgrade. So you kind yeah, of and, and you you own stick it. to their stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah then you own it. <laughs> yeah. The, the next upgrade, you get fined by the HOA. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you go from uh, 121 files skip to 1,600 or whatever. In the upgrade. <laughs> Yes. So, so I got it, Brent. What's the most you've ever seen in skipped items? And I think I've got beat. Yeah, you you probably do have me beat because um, <laughs> we've we try to keep most of our systems all kind of out of the box. I think the most I ever got was around three hundred, probably. Um, <laughs> I had a customer that's been with ServiceNow a very long time, so is part of it okay so it's not just that they customized everything but they did because it a lot of it didn't exist when they started with down the path with service now uh yeah, matter of fact the, the, the guy actually um met fred luddy at a pink elephant conference and signed up and nobody even heard of fred luddy before so uh so it was early early on but there was over six thousand skipped items oh wow <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that was bad. <laughs> My first experience with uh, ServiceNow was, um, I forget it, it was like winter of 2012 or something. And before we even went live, we just went to Aspen and started on Aspen. And even from doing from Aspen up to Madrid, uh, there are things that we had to customize because they didn't have it, and now they do. So now we have to oh, yeah. look at... Okay, um, we did our knowledge templates through right. fields and all. Now they have knowledge templates that auto build themselves. So now we have to redo all that. So those 121 uh, skipped items that I had in my last upgrade probably won't exist in the next one because we're redoing our custom stuff back right. to default. But, but that's the great thing about you and the way you understand the system. You understand it enough to say, okay, we need to roll these back. Yeah. Try and keep it as close to out of the box and use what they've built going forward. 
Well, they well, spend a lot of time and money on building this stuff to make it work correctly. Yeah. Why mess it up? <laughs> right, exactly. One of the things that I hear frequently, is, you know, I go in, I'm talking to people, they're asking me about, you know, some part of their organization, asset management or something like that, and they're looking at Zendesk or something like that, and we start talking service now, and they bring up the cost. Um, and, you know, the, the nice thing, we talk about how you've got to stay up to date because they release, you know, a named major version twice a year. How many other developers do you spend a lot, or how many other vendors do you spend a ton of money with Microsoft um, <laughs> and get that kind of value back? Um, right. Every time that Microsoft does a named release, you have to pay an upgrade fee for it. When you're licensed with ServiceNow, they drop named releases that bring major functionality. And yeah, they change the licensing and sometimes you do have to pay extra for some of the features that are like completely brand new, like HR being right. its own right. module. But uh, for example, project management, ServiceNow decided they needed to implement project management. They implemented it. It sucked. Everybody hated it. And within <laughs> two versions, they've got it to where people are like, okay, we'll forget Microsoft Project and forget some of these other uh, mm -hmm. tools. This one has everything that I need in it now. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and they and they listen to their customers to fix they that do. kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But the nice thing about like your named versions um, – they're not hard to upgrade to as long as you stay close to out of the box. Yeah. I don't know about your 6,000 skipped items, but it was most, hell on wheels. Most of the upgrades oh. I've done, I can start from my uh, upgrade, my development system, do all my testing, do all my fixes, do all my end user testing on my test environment and move it to production within a month. And you can't well, and that on other systems. No, you can't. And and I will tell you that even with that huge amount of skipped items, I didn't take I never took that the entire bite at once because that would have just been insane. Yeah. Yep. But what I did is I rolled eight hundred to a thousand skipped items back for three separations. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't that doesn't that still leaves you a lot of skipped items, right? But each time it got better, better and better and better. Yeah. And better. And that's how you do it. You don't you don't try and take the whole bite out. Uh, actually, that's <laughs> that's not my intent. So I went to, as soon as I ran the upgrade in Dev, and I saw that I, I walked over to uh, my director and I said, "Listen, we need to start over. <laughs> we need yeah. to we need to reimplement this. This is, we can't do that." And of course, they're like, "Well, we've got so many other things built on it that we can't do that." And it's like, "Okay." I'm like, okay, but this is a decision you got to make, and, and you got to let them make that decision. You give them what advice you can. And so at that point, then you start taking chunks of it, trying to roll it back every time you do a version. Yep. And that's how you get to a stable system. At the risk of sounding like a total fanboy, um, <laughs> the um, even that instance where you had 6,000 skipped items, you were provided more information for how to handle that situation by the system itself than any other system I've ever supported. And I've supported yes. a lot of systems. There are, the, the other companies out there could learn a lot about how to really build a friendly platform by looking at the design principles behind how ServiceNow was built. Yes. Because... I can't tell you, you know, how many times that, you know, you do an upgrade, something goes wrong, and you go into Event Viewer in 
you know, exchange and you have a thousand generic errors that tell you nothing. Yep. <laughs> and you're basically on your own, you have to find out. But ServiceNow in that instance, when it was a massive amount of things, it it did tell you exactly these these are these 6,000 things that are in conflict. You have to right. do something about these 6,000 things in order for things to work. Yep. Right. Exactly. And, um, the system that I used before the seven and a half years ago, uh, it would t- you would do your upgrade in the dev system. Then you'd run this script that they provided. And it actually wasn't a script. I guess it was an external app that went and hit it. It would spit out this report and it would be a, I think it, the last one I did was a hundred printed pages that you had to manually look through. They wouldn't even put it in the software. You had to print it out. Six months later, you could upgrade. It was an average yeah, of six ridiculous. months to do an upgrade. And I'm going to be bold here, and I'm going to say that the way that ServiceNow has done um, their system and the, the ATFs and all of the uh, helping hands, if you would, when it comes to upgrading, mm-hmm. uh, if you get things set up correctly, you don't and you keep things as close to out of box as possible. You build the the ATFs correctly. ATFs for everybody doesn't know the automated testing framework. If you do the ATFs correctly, you can go start to finish in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah you that's could. it. And and if you could do and if you do that, you're talking about now you're talking about two major versions taking you a month out of your year versus how many other systems do you know do that? Yeah, what slows me down is going through our change process. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I think ServiceNow is certainly not a perfect platform that it's not without its flaws and its questionable decisions in there as well. Uh, but it it is something where I can say that if you plan for it, if you're disciplined about the way you implement it and you know what you want out of it, you can absolutely get more value out of it than what it costs you. Right. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. we've been um, we've been going on and on about what's great about it. There are limitations to it, but there's limitations in every system. Yeah. But you can work around a lot of those limitations with ServiceNow, though. Right. Absolutely. So, so I, I think in in all in all, um, what you, we need to continue to tell people with ServiceNow is you're not building a single ticketing system kind of loop back to the the beginning this isn't the ticketing system this is this is a a full platform and that platform every time you add something you get exponential value so you've incident without cmdb you can you don't you don't have to tie everything to a ci oh yeah but you add the cmdb you're adding an exponential value and you add change We'll change an incident, they connect, incident, and um, and then change in the CMDB connect. So now you're talking about exponential increases in you. And an exponential increase amount of the ability you have to make decisions that better your organization. And so then you go to HR, you go to, to asset management, you go to core asset management. Every piece you add to that puzzle, 
it doesn't just add one piece. That's what just drives me crazy. They're like, well, this software asset management has this, but you add it here. It may, you, you may even cost you the same amount of money, but you're not getting just one value out of it. You're getting that same value plus all these other values with the data, all these other things that you can do um, in order to clarify those business decisions and move your organization forward and not make mistakes any more than you have to. Nah. Yep. So I, I sounded like a fanboy there, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah, I think this podcast has all been that, but yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much this whole yeah. So, so just so you guys know, we do like ServiceNow. Um, if you didn't know that already, I'll be honest with you, I hated it when I first got it. <laughs> yeah, you I did. Was, I, I remember I gonna, that. I was going to say something earlier about the fact that yeah, you you weren't too much of a fan at the time. No, no. I remember you calling the interface a 1980s, uh, I won't say the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They still do have some UI problems, but yeah. um, you know, yes, I mean, I, I tell you, I went to the first knowledge though. And, and, I, and I, you know, one of the organizers sat down at the table with us for lunch and said, well, what do you think of service now? And I flat out said, well, you know what? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I laid out four or five things about why I hated it and he wrote them all down and before I got through my next section he had contacted me and given me a couple of people's contact information and then set up another session with a developer to explain things to me to answer all of those things and clear up some of my misconceptions Mm -hmm. And uh, I left that knowledge pretty much a fanboy. But. Yeah. yeah. It, it is amazing how they're back to that community and the the care they take to, to connect you with the right people and to foster those relationships. It's, it, it really does make a difference in it. It's, it's also a community that their uh, staff is in so their cells, their technical resources, their developers, even the people that develop the code that back for the three versions from now, they're still in the community answering questions and mm -hmm. talking to us and taking surveys and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's not just end users in the community, right? Nice. Right. It is. I know. It is. What, what's his name? Uh, Chuck Kamasi. Yes. Chuck he, answers, he answers a ton of questions. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, and he doesn't just pick out only the questions that seem fun to answer. He answers. Oh, yeah. The questions and, that are put forth no matter what they are. Right. And he'll yeah. also say, I think it's this, but let me check with someone. And then right. he can back and yeah. answer if he doesn't know. So. Yeah, and, and he has like a community live stream, and where he will he like goes through community articles, yeah. and answers them live with you, and you ask him questions about it. You can so you can if you have an article that you've submitted, you can go to that and ask him to answer your question. Yep, you know it's just it it, it is and it is just amazing. That they're out, and of course, I was like a fanboy when I, you know, I go to the conference and I see them over there, and I'm like, "Hey, can I get a picture with you?" You know, um, <laughs> because 
it, it, it is, they're so willing to help and be there. And they've taught us much over the years that we feel uh, like, and the reason I think for this podcast is we've all felt like we've had those people help us move forward and help us understand learn and and it's time for us to give that to give back a little bit to the community and this is why we started the podcast mm-hmm. well and I, I think that um i mean that's part of it but uh, the other part of it is uh, is just i've seen a lot of people that have it and i've interacted with a lot of people that have it that aren't getting the value that they could get out of it and right and i want to see them I, you know, I want to provide something that, you know, light bulb goes off in their head and they go, oh, hey, wow, if we did this and this and this, we could save this much money. You know, um, I'm sick of seeing companies laying off people and, and um, shutting down divisions and things like that because they can't figure out a way to clean up where their excess is when there are so many things that are inefficient that can be fixed. Yep. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and ServiceNow is not there to take your job. ServiceNow is there to help you do your job more efficiently, to do it better, to help you and the organization move forward. And it's not there. It's not the robot. Like like you said, it's not it's not there to take your job. It's just there to assist you in in helping you with your job. Yep. And people don't they don't get that. They think, oh, well, if you can automate it, then you don't need me. Well, that's not necessarily true. Well, no. automation should free up your problem-solving, critical thinking people to be doing other things that add value and bring value to the company rather than doing road activities. You right. know, that's the other problem with if you're a good leader, if you're a good business person, then you're looking at ways to free up people not to get rid of them, but to get them onto more value-added activities. But that's right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what probably I'm... a discussion for my other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's what I was, uh, why we automated, when I talked about automating our uh, virtual machines being created automatically, we had uh, system engineers that were, I don't know how much they get paid, but they get paid a lot of money to sit there and build a virtual machine each time somebody requested one. And it was taking two or three weeks. So they were doing all kinds of things that they didn't need to do. So we automated it. Now those engineers have time to actually do what they're supposed to be doing, troubleshooting, bringing up news (laughs) servers, that kind of stuff. There isn't a single engineer out there that wants to be sitting at his desk punching out virtual servers. You know what I mean? Well, there might be a few because they (laughs) they got a little irritated because – they couldn't just sit around, but you know. I mean, if you can get paid, uh, you know, six figures to. Yeah, six <laughs> figures to sit there and just hit a button every ten seconds or whatever. But where do I sign up for this? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well. No. Man. But no, automation is to make it easier on you, so you can do other things to help. It's not to get rid of those people. Yeah. Well, right. if you're a business exactly. owner and you approach automation as a way to get rid of people, then you um, shouldn't be a business owner. You shouldn't be a business owner, A, but B, you know, the only thing you're going to end up doing is killing morale and ultimately uh, stalling out uh, productivity yep. across the board rather than increasing it because fear only motivates for so long. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. All right, guys. You know, I I love it. We've had a great conversation here. Uh, I appreciate both of your time. You you are uh, awesome to be here. Um, and to have uh, both you guys on the the leadership podcast so that we can continue this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So if you're there looking around, uh, Randy has a leadership podcast. Um, and that, uh, I'm going to tell you if, if you want to talk about leadership and really, um, important structural things when, when it comes to organizations, um, Randy's your man. So, uh, look it up. Uh, I, uh, Randy, what, what is the name of the podcast again? The name of the podcast is currently Panning Leadership. Uh, we're about to change it to uh, a little bit to realign with some of the stuff we're doing as a company. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, for now, it's called Panning Leadership. It's also on Anchor. Okay. All right. So, listen to us wherever you go. It's on Apple. It's on Anchor. It's on pretty much everything. So, yeah, yeah, right. Um, and uh, I appreciate you guys coming. We will be um, touching base again very soon, and uh, look for us for some additional video content. Hopefully, uh, in the in the next in the short period of time from now. So, um, I want to say, Randy, we we pulled these questions from the list of things we've heard. Um, what are your questions? Send us your questions. The things that you want to talk about, send them to us. We will talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, if, if you want to be on, if you want to be on the podcast, if you are an expert in, you know, ITOM or you're an expert in, in, in asset management and you want to get on the podcast and talk to us about that, we'd love to hear from you. So shoot us a message and, and we will, we'll contact you and set something up. Um, we love having guests, so thank you very much for joining, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thank you. Always fun. Thanks.